Hello, this is Peter Jonathan Robertson with the fifth of my interviews from the PJ Archive. It's with Donny Osmond, the American singer, dancer, actor and TV star who was a global heartthrob in his early teens and has remained a genuinely nice guy. This interview took place in London in November 2002. In this, the first of two parts, I asked Donny if, while touring the world down the decades, he'd learnt to greet his fans in different languages. Yeah, I learned a little bit, you know, some phrases in Japanese and Swedish. So you can say I can't remember now. <laughs> Saying some swear words or something. No, it's like, good evening, it's nice to have you here. Welcome to the show. Are there any surprising countries where you're still really big now, if you know what I mean? Ones that we wouldn't necessarily expect. Taiwan. Really? Yeah. Singapore. But it'd be the older generations of people because right. it was the Donnie Marie shows. Yeah. It was huge in those particular territories. What's the future for the Donnie Marie show? Is there a future for it? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't think so. You think that should be best left now, or mm-hmm. it's time to be siblings on a personal level rather than uh, professional? Exactly. Do you still have any of the sort of Osmond's outfits or the the, no. the hats that you have? I in those wish days I and... did. You know, I've <clears throat> I wish somebody would have grabbed onto those and just stuck them in a trunk someplace. Yeah, there are some at the uh, Osmond's Theatre, aren't there? Maybe the little little ones when we were on the Andy Williams show, but not right. the flares. Mm. You know, the white outfits that we used mm. to wear. I mean, I'm sure they exist someplace, but I have no idea where they are. Mm. We've searched. Do you not have any sort of Osmond memorabilia? Not a lot. Really? No, I've got a couple things. You know, a couple of the lunch boxes and yeah. scarves and <laughs> things like that, but not a lot. Not given to you by the fans? Yeah, hmm. yeah. There's stuff that crops up that I've never seen before. Hmm. There's this little doll, the, the bobbling head. And if you can find it, it's worth a lot of money. Because, uh, and I've got one, but boy, they're very rare because they were mm. extremely fragile when they manufactured those. Were you ripped off the Osmonds by merchandise people in the 70s? Like uh, I Custis imagine a lot of people got very rich off of us. Right. You know? Right. I imagine those stories exist. Mm. Do you keep a tighter hold now, now that you know what you're doing, as it were? Yeah, very. So it's it's all about well I have a saying first time is shame on them mm. it happens again shame on you right you know because you should know better yeah absolutely mm. you met Elvis Presley didn't you yeah how did he feel about you all wearing jumpsuits did he think that was you know that was his thing did he have a comment on it well it was the same designer oh was it oh Bill oh, Ballou okay. it was the same guy oh. I don't ever remember him making a comment about it though right what do you remember of Elvis then? What an entertainer. I remember there was one time I saw him at the Hilton Hotel, and that's where actually I met him. He mm-hmm. came to see our show and to visit with us backstage. He always sent us flowers in the shape of a guitar on opening night. But I remember sitting in the audience and the women just going crazy, you know? And he'd walk through the audience, and the band was just cooking like crazy. And Elvis walked, and it took like 20 minutes to go from this side through the audience and back up and by the time he got there I mean things were pulled off his outfit and ripped his hair was a mess I thought man that's cool (laughs) did you learn anything from him did he give you any tips at all no any advice no 
Other than the fact that uh, my mother turned to him and, and asked him a question and said, if you had to do it all over again, would you? what would you do? Hmm. And he said, I'd get closer to my fans. So if anything, I, if there's anything I learned from him, it was that. Did you ever sit down with him and have a really good conversation at all? No, I never did. I was so young. I slept in his bed. Did you really? Yeah. Tell, tell us about that. That was my... Uh, he wasn't there at the time. No, 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 no. <laughs> Not a new exclusive for no. after all these years. My wife and I slept in his bed. In a hotel in Las Vegas? It was at the, in the Elvis suite. It was up the top of the Hilton. Was it obviously his bed? Was there anything? Yeah, we started talking like this in bed, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, honey. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> was there anyone that you met that you did get really excited about? I know you were surrounded by fame right from a very early age, but did anyone give you a bit of a buzz to meet? Groucho Marx. Was, All right. Yeah, he was on the Donnie Marie show. Uh, John Wayne. I remember doing a comedy skit with uh, Milton Berle. Oh, yes. See, I never really appreciated all these people. Mm. And I was around learning comedy from Jerry Lewis and yeah. Milton Berle. And, the best. Yeah. Stevie, when, when Stevie was on, it, was, mm. it just blew me away. He was uh, um, during the chat show, mm. the Donnie Marie chat mm-hmm, show. Mm-hmm. We dedicated the whole hour to him. It was just like, what do you want to hear? Mm. <laughs> Everything. Just, yeah. You name it. Have you ever been surprised that some artists you didn't expect were actually fans of yours? I was here about a year ago, and I went to the Brit Awards, and Eminem was on the, that year. Hmm. Do you remember that year he would perform? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So at the party afterwards, hmm. he had this little corner of the tent that was covered off, and all of his guards in front of it, and just only certain people were allowed mm-hmm. in there, right? Mm-hmm. And I walk over, and this mm-hmm. eight-foot-tall guard stops me and says, What do you want? I said, I'm Donny Osmond. He says, Yeah, I know. You know, what do you want? I said, oh. well, I want to go meet Eminem. One second. And he walks in there. And about 30 seconds later, he walks out with this, the funniest confused look on his face. He said, he wants to meet you. <laughs> I said, great. And I open the curtain and I walk in and here comes Mitchell walking towards me. Mm-hmm. And he said, Donnie Osmond. He was just as nice as he could be to me. And he said, man, I grew up on your music. I watched the wow. Donnie and Marie show, and you were a big influence on me. <laughs> and what so was I, heard, I heard somebody in the corner says, oh, it's Donnie's fault. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about his act, as it were? Personally, I think he's extremely talented. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, you know, some of the lyrics and things are very coarse, but guy doesn't get successful like that without being mm-hmm. talented. What about from a moralistic point of view, though? I mean, would you want your children to be into his music? And I'm not going to comment on that. I mean, you know, everybody's dividing line of right and wrong is different. Mm. And uh, as far as my children's choices are concerned, they'll make a choice. You know, mm. I, you teach them certain principles, and then after a while, they govern themselves. Mm. I'm certainly not going to police my yeah. kids. Who do you rate of today's artists? Are there any you look at and think they are something else you know whose album I listened to the other day it was great it was Diana Krall alright jazz yeah she was great Avril Lavigne have you seen the programs we've got like Pop Idol and so on where mm-hmm. they're creating mm-hmm. what do you think of them good idea or not I think it's a great idea. idea do you I do mm-hmm. because it gives somebody their 15 minutes of fame mm-hmm. and it gives them their break I had a break I was 5 years old everybody needs that shot Mm. You know, and then what they do with it after that is really up to them. 
you must have spent quite a lot of time wondering why why did it happen to me out of all the people in the world did you ever come up with an answer for yourself no because I've thought about that too Peter I was just very fortunate to be in the right place at the right time with the right chemistry mm. in the right family you know just it just all worked very lucky Mm. in that respect. When you think of it in terms of your religion, is it something that is very acceptable, that kind of thing, oh, being, yeah. uh, being an idol like that? Not at all. No, not whatsoever. It's funny because that's come up before. Mm. How can you be a Mormon and be an idol? Mm. It's like, <laughs> hello? I'm, I'm not suggesting that, but I'm just, I'm just curious to know if no, there is any conflict at all. Yeah. No, 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 not at all. Do you know Charlotte Church is? Very well. Yeah. As a matter of fact... Uh, Have you met her? Yeah. I just did a couple of shows with her. All right. She was on the Donnie Marie Chat show. Oh, I did uh, the Royal Variety Show mm-hmm. with her. And how did you find her? Sweet girl. Just really, really nice. Because she's been getting a bit of negative publicity recently. She's going Why? through that teen thing, and she's growing up, and she wants she's smoking, and she's got a, a wayward oh, no. boyfriend and everything else. Charlotte's smoking? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you ever even puffed on a cigarette? I pretended to one time, and I, I never smoked. Never had the desire to smoke. Tell us about the pretending to. How about I was eight years old or something like that? Or in front of your mates sort of thing. No, no, no. I, we had this old Studebaker car out in the back. Right. No, And uh, do you remember when they used to make straws out of paper? So I, I used to go in the backyard, and this one day, I pretended I was driving, I was smoking, and I lit these uh, paper uh, straws mm-hmm. with the cigarette lighter. Oh, of course, they were paper. They would catch on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And while they were on fire, you know, I just pretend I was driving and oh. smoking and put the smoke in my mouth and blow it out, you know. And then I'd put out the butt in the mm-hmm. ashtray, right? Well, I went through the whole box. And by the time I got to the end of the box, this ashtray was just, it was just chock full of paper. And this last one was on fire, and I put it out, and it caught on fire. Oh, <laughs> and I almost blew that car up. It was the last time I smoked. Oh, my father was so mad, because he just burned up the whole dashboard, you know. When you travel through London like this, do you remember scenes from years ago when, you know, you stayed in that hotel and there was that crowd outside and whatever? Yeah. Uh, every once in a while, I'd drive past the Churchill Hotel. Yes, Jimmy was telling me about that. You played football in the corridor or something. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, couple other places that we stayed at brings back memories. It's almost so surreal, mm. you know, that, mm. that really actually happened. And so much time has gone by. How good is your memory of that, or is it a bit of a blur? It's a blur, to be honest with you. When I was writing my autobiography, I had to actually talk to fans and mm. others that went through those experiences, kind of put the pieces together. Mm. What's the most memorable sort of fan moment that you had most bizarre perhaps most outstanding flying over the audience at Earl's Court oh right yeah that was a rush and the place was just packed and um, you can do that again on your knuckles yeah right that's how I'm going to make my entrance (laughs) some stronger ropes this time (laughs) do you have a look at film of the old days you bet I've got ton of it in my basement. Yeah? Do you watch it much? No, not much. But like, for instance, when we did the audience with Jeff Thacker, said, you know, I want to put together this film. Compilation. Thing, Compilation yeah. behind you, singing 12th and Never. And when we were doing the Brothers thing, Love Me for a Reason, he wanted a film as well. So we dug out the old archive footage and mm. found a bunch. And how do you feel looking at yourself then? It's almost like another person, you know? It, well, I'll go back to uh, this show I did with Esther. When I was watching me sing Puppy Love at uh, mm-hmm. uh, Shepherd's Bush, I guess it was. 
it was like another person. Mm. Yes, I lived it and I could relate to it, but it was like watching somebody else. Do you wish you'd done like a, a proper live concert on TV at that stage in Britain or whatever? Yeah. So there's, there's precious little footage, actually. Yeah. It's always the same bits shown over and over again. We have some of the footage of Earl's Court. That's probably why I remember the flying so well, because I've seen that mm. quite a few times. But like from start to finish five camera shoot all that mm. stuff that you do nowadays mm. I wish we could have done that yeah absolutely now for the second part of my interview from 2002 when I began by getting Donny Osmond's view on what his younger brother Jimmy had recently told me about his own difficult experiences growing up in this world famous family of entertainers he said we got spankings and whippings and you name it our parents taught us discipline and hard work dad's a pussycat now but then I thought he was tough and just too mean <laughs> Well, there's some truth to it, too. I don't think I'd use the word whippings. Yeah, uh, father was uh, very strict. Mm. And, uh, I mean, he was an army sergeant. Mm -hmm. And that's how he learned how to be organized and run a family. And, yes, he softened over the years, but he was, he was strict. What was the worst? The worst? Strictest. Well, I got in trouble because I ruined one of our trees. You know, just kid stuff, mm -hmm. really things that I deserved if I fooled around on stage, mm -hmm. goofed off. What was the punishment? Just get a talking to, really, a lecture, you know, one of those dad lectures. Mm -hmm. Jimmy also said, performing so young, we were told what to sing and what to do. I didn't even know what the words of the songs I sang meant. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Is that true of you too? <laughs> Not really. I mean, obviously when I learned Japanese songs, Kimi wa kawaii boku, I mean, I don't know what I'm singing. <laughs> um, no, it really didn't apply to me. Mm. When Donnie came through, the record company pretty much just went after the teeny bopper market and they told us what to sing. That was a very bitter pill for the older brothers to swallow. Very. Extremely bitter pill. Mm. Because that's where all the marketing went to. Mm. You know, they had ideas to do rock and roll. I thought it was really good rock and roll. But here's the mm. irony of it all, is that I was a member of, of the band and I was also a solo artist. Mm. And it was a really difficult pill for them to swallow. and like Because Jimmy likened it to Joseph when you actually did Joseph telling him a drink. Did he really? Being jealous and stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's it quite interesting he yeah. should even bring that up because mm. when I was doing Joseph, it just kind of dawned on me, boy, there's yeah. some of these similarities. Mm. Incredible. To meant the, to be. Sort of thing. Yeah. I tried to go to a normal school, but at the time we were on television every week and the kids came at me with razor blades and switch blades and I never went back. I got beat up many times. One time when I was about 15, I got beat up so bad I got put in hospital. Yeah, that's true. And you got... One of his teeth cracked and mm. stuff like that. Jimmy really went through a whole lot more than I did because I was. Did you never get beaten up then? No, no, I was always isolated. Security. Yeah, right. No, I never really put myself in harm's way. Mm. Probably because I was always on the road working, whatever, and, and I had my electronics and I was very secluded. I secluded myself into my own little room. Final thing for me, he said, when we weren't on tour, which was rare, I would have to wear a panic button that the FBI gave me because of kidnap threats and lots of bizarre things. There were a couple of close kidnap calls. We found people in our home that were armed, and we had bomb threats at our concerts. It's true. Really? Yeah, it's true. Tell me about the armed people in the house. I didn't know about that. Well, this was during the... Do you remember the Patty Hearst? Yes, yes, the kidnap. The SLA? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, our names were mentioned in those tapes, really? and so the FBI protected us, mm. and I thought, oh, how bizarre is this? Mm. But yeah, it was true. <laughs> Did Osmomania ever become scary for you? Mm -mm. Ever out of hand? No, because I never That's dealt it. with... Well, I never dealt with that yeah. end of it because I was isolated from it. To me, it was a lot of fun. Mm. <clears throat> I never realized the dangers that existed. Mm. 
but there were a couple concerts where people actually really got hurt, and that's when I became aware of the fact that it was dangerous. But I always made the guards work for their money <laughs> because I was I would always taunt the girls and make them scream. So I, was, I guess it was my job, really, but I enjoyed it, you know. Uh, there was one time, I think it was the Churchill Hotel, I'm not sure now, where the fans just rushed the car in the underground garage. And I had, you know, long hair and stuff like that. And Don Murphitt thought I was a fan because I was trying to get into the door. And he picked me up and threw me down the stairwell. And as soon as he threw me, he realized, Ah! <laughs> yeah. There have been many attempts to investigate the sadness behind the smiles with regard to the Osmond story. When you look back on the 70s heyday, what percentage was happy for you? Well, time has a tendency to heal all wounds. Mm -hmm. So I immediately, when you asked that question, I said, there really was no hard time mm -hmm. because it's all been healed. Mm -hmm. Nothing compares to the, the downfall mm -hmm. and the aftermath mm -hmm. of losing everything. So when you try to equate that to these other, ex other experiences that I had in mm. the downfall. Those were great days. Mm. There really wasn't anything bad about it, at least mm. from my perception. Yeah, yeah. Um, much was made of the Osmond's goody-goody image. What mm. was the worst thing you or your brothers ever did? See, I hate that question. You know why? I'm, I'm not that's right. poking at you, that's right. but it's like, I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't, no matter what I say. Okay. Right. Because I if, if I say, oh, we mm. stole a, a can of pop, mm. Oh, great, you know, you are goody-goody. Or if I said, you know, I bit the head off a chicken. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure you did, right. Okay. So it, it, there really is a no-win yeah. situation for me. To what, were you ever offered drugs, the Ottomans? Did anyone oh, yeah. Come up? Oh, yeah. And what happened? Were they all just picked up by security and shown the door, or what happened? Uh, no, I mean, there were situations I was walking down the street and say, hey, you want, you want something? Really? Yeah. Because they knew who you were, or just you were just a guy walking down the street? Both. Mm. Both situations. Because mm. when you're in the business 40 years, you're bound to be around it sooner or later. Mm. And I certainly found myself in those situations. Mm. Did you ever, you know, get into a hotel and find girls in your wardrobe in the bed as a legend has it? Or? Never happened to me. Really? There was all I wanted it to, but it never happened to me. <laughs> Do you ever tire of middle-aged women telling you how much you meant to them when they were young? Not at all. I really don't. You I know that sounds like a mm. stock answer, no, but right. uh, I don't because uh, you know that was a big part of their life. Yeah. You know, don't ruin it for them. When, when the fan worship died, when you, know, when you got to an airport and it wasn't crowded with fans, and else was that quite difficult? to You take? bet it was, mm. because it basic, basically said you're over. They don't mm. care anymore. And see, here's the danger of of uh, starting out as such a young kid mm. and receiving such adulation and mm. adulation, excuse me, adulation and external validation, mm. if we want to call it that, is because you equate that to how good you are. Mm. So when that disappears, mm. you basically don't have that validation saying you're good anymore. And you really have to go through that learning process of saying, you know what, what's that book that came out? I'm okay, you're okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that? Yeah. You have to just start having a positive mental attitude about mm. yourself. And I think that's probably what saved me, mm. is because I had to go through that process, Peter, mm. of saying, you know what, I don't need the ovations mm. to, to say to myself, you're okay. Mm. But man, it was tough. Mm. Did any of the fans from those days become friends of yours? And are you still like, in contact with them, as it were? Or is that impossible? My wife. Right, yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I can't say she was really a fan because she gave me a hard time. Mm. <laughs> but... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for instance, uh, here again on Ruby Show, mm -hmm. most of those women in the audience I knew. Mm -hmm. 
I couldn't tell you all their names, but I knew some of the names. Did you ever date any celebrities before you met your wife? No. No, I never did. Mm. How, how difficult was it to settle down with one woman when you could have had any woman in the world? Was, was it difficult, or you're so centered it's not a problem? No, I, I never had a, a temptation. And I never had a problem settling down with one woman because I guess I found the right one the first time mm. because she really fulfilled that aspect of my life. And she's, you know, stuck with me all these years through the hard times, too. Because it was right after I got married is when everything went... She'd have to be a very secure person, though. you got to meet her one of these days, Peter. Yeah, no, it would be lovely to meet her. She must be very... Because to deal with all the adoration, she must feel very... She must be a very secure person, very confident of your love in order to deal with it. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. Your husband yeah. goes out on the road all the time and Girls. lives this life. Girls throwing themselves at you. You know, sure, it takes its toll, obviously, but there is an enormous amount of trust between us. You're coming up to 25 years, aren't you, of marriage together? 24, actually. Right, but I mean, have you thought about how you're going to celebrate? Oh, excuse me, in May is 25, yeah. yeah. You're, you're have you right. thought how you will celebrate? Because a big 25th is a big thing. We had a conversation last night about right. it. And uh, I want to do something huge, spectacular, because it's, what is it, our silver anniversary? Mm -hmm. And uh, she said, no, let's just do something alone. Mm. Let's be alone. Heather Mills, Paul McCartney's new wife, has come under a lot of stick and so on. Did, she has. Did your wife get a lot of stick? And have you any advice for Heather to sort of say, don't worry, it's just jealous people? It's time heals it. And the more you make a mountain out of the molehill, mm. you know, how would I say it? The more you try to fix it, the bigger the issue gets. Mm. Just let it go. Let it go. Because everything has a time, or everything has a, a way of fixing itself mm. with time. If you just center yourself and say, it's okay. Mm. Where do you live now? Is it Los Angeles or Utah? Utah. Right. So you've gone back there from L.A. Because mm -hmm. you were living in L.A. for a long time. I grew up in L.A. Right. I moved to L.A. when I was three. And then lived out of a suitcase most of my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I uh, moved back to Utah about... Eight years you, ago. Is that where you feel most you belong and, and most centered and everything? Well, um, I feel pretty much at home in L.A., but my wife loves it there, and I love it. I love living in the mountains. Um, my kids love it. Both of our parents are close by, mm. so it it's perfect for us right now mm. at this point in our lives. What can you tell us about your home apart from it being in the mountains? What's it like? Very normal. It's It's not gaudy at all. Uh, there are no gold records on the walls or excuse me I have one gold record but it's sitting on the floor I haven't hung it up uh, Joseph how big is this house ten bedrooms or no it's five five bedrooms and do fans still turn up does that have a big wall around it to protect you from the no house? no but there is a line that I've drawn if fans come to the house I'm very firm about that mm -hmm. you know there's just one thing that I've learned over the years is that you have to have a personal private life mm -hmm. there's something has to be sacred how many of your children are living at home now all of them. Are they? Yeah, except my second oldest, obviously, is getting married. Right. She'll be moving out. How, what are they all up to, your children? Maybe now? Yeah, I hesitate in giving too much information, obviously, but they, you know, they're in school, they're pursuing their educations. Right. To what extent do you think it's been difficult for them to grow up when you, you know, the sons are or the daughters are? Besides the obvious. No, it's all sons. All, all oh, sons, yeah. Five sons. Yeah. Just being in a shadow, always Donny Osmond's kid. Are any of them in the business? No. They, they, a couple of them are, are interested. So My, the second son wants to uh, pursue a degree in uh, in music. Wants to get his education in that. 
I interviewed the Osmond boys a few years ago. Did you? Alan's, Alan's so kids, yeah. Very nice people, I've seen. Yeah. Um, would you not want, do you encourage a sort of second generation, or do you think it's best that your kids... Um, <laughs> I mean, if they want to, yeah. I'm, I'm going to let them, yeah. obviously. Yeah. What um, about movie stardom? Did you ever seek it or desire it or anything? I, you know, there's, for some reason, I've never really had a desire to get into movies. Mm. You did a couple, didn't you? Yeah, that's why I never want to get into yeah. movies. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were worse. <laughs> what about musicals? Would you, you can do any more? I would like to, mm. eventually, when my children are raised, mm. uh, because it's just too grueling of a schedule to yeah. travel with kids. Mm-hmm. I could have done it, and I did do it when my kids were younger. But as soon as they started high school, they had to go one place, and I did the commuting, and that was just a killer. Have you ever doubted or wavered from your Mormon faith? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, I was 16 years old. I looked in the mirror and said, man, you're a hypocrite. You really are a hypocrite. You say you're a Mormon, and you believe in the Bible and the Book of Mormon and all this kind of stuff, and you never even read it. Mm. You're just saying it because it sounds good to say, mm. to keep the family unit together, all that kind of stuff. So I said, well, let's put it to the test. Mm. you got to stand on your own two feet in this. Mm. And uh, as a matter of fact, so many people email me questions. What is a Mormon? Mm. And it got to the point where I was getting it's so many. Website, yeah. yeah, I yeah. put it on my website. Mm. Have any of your fans converted to the Mormon religion because of you? Uh, uh, hopefully it's not because of me. Mm. It's because they want to be in the faith. But I think there have been a contingency mm. over the years mm. who have done that. And obviously they do it for the wrong reasons if they do that. And I've met some who, who basically say, you know, it doesn't really matter anymore because they have their own testimony of it. And yes, they said you introduced us to it, but they're married in the temple and they have their own families now and they understand that it's just more than just what the Osmonds belong to. What are your thoughts on Scientology? I don't know enough about it, to be honest with you, Peter. Mm-hmm. Having devoted yourself to your religion, how will you feel if you get to the end of your life and find that there is no God and... Mormonism was the wrong way. I've already gone through that process. Which is what? Which is yeah, having my own testimony. See, it's interesting, and I don't know how much you want to get into theology, but I think all religions, if they, if they bring you to Christ, closer to God, there's truth in them. This whole Joseph Smith thing really has, has a big problem for a lot of people, that he claims he spoke and talked with God. And I questioned that. That's what really kind of got to me. I said, you know, that's a little far-fetched. 14-year-old boy? So I started digging into it. And I, and I looked at it logically, which is the wrong way to go about it. But logically, it made sense to me. And I thought, I still didn't have a strong testimony about it. And this, this is my point, And that is, to get a testimony of spiritual things, you have to approach it spiritually. And I studied about the apostasy how um, Peter talks about it in Acts, that there will be a restitution of, a restoration of all things. Well, there can't be a restoration unless something fell away. If it's still there, there's not a restoration. So an apostasy had to take place. Well, if apostasy took place, who's going to restore it? So then I started thinking, why were there prophets? Why didn't, why didn't God just talk to people? So I started, studied that, and I, I found out that it says God does nothing save he reveals it unto his prophets. So I said, okay, Joseph Smith thinks he's a prophet. Well, so did Muhammad. Mm-hmm. So did all these other people think they're prophets. What makes him mm-hmm. special? 
And then I started reading the testimony of uh, Joseph Smith and the fact that he translated that whole Book of Mormon in the amount of time that he did it. There's just no logic with a fourth grade education, I guess is what he had. There's no logical way somebody could have done that unless it was by the power of God. And then I approached it spiritually. And that's when I got my testimony. I'll never deny the authenticity of the Book of Mormon. I just, I know it's true. It corroborates with the Bible. Did anyone ever tell you that they thought you were God, thought you were Jesus? No, no, but they said I should run for the presidency of the United States. <laughs> oh, man. When I was uh, in the 70s, you know, and all the little girls, they said, Donnie for president, Donnie for president. Yeah, right, it's the last thing I want to get into is politics. Really? Yeah. Never considered that? Uh, Have you met the presidents? Uh, not Bush. All right. What's your thoughts? Not many people have a good word to say about it. Well, you couldn't pay me enough money to be in that position because it's a no-win situation no matter what you do. Mm. That's why I don't want to go into politics. Mm. At least I'd like a little bit more than 50% of the people for me, you know? Mm. So I refrain from giving my opinion publicly about any political candidate or position. I'd rather keep it quiet. Sensible, man. Yeah. <laughs> How satisfied are you when you look back upon your life at this stage? At this stage, very. Because I've learned from my mistakes. I know I sound like a broken record here. I apologize. That's right. Appreciate what I have now realize that I've tried to do my best in everything I've done. I've failed so many times, but, you know, we we grow from failure. Adversity gives us strength. So if you can learn from that, I'm sorry I'm getting too philosophical here. What do you want to achieve with the rest of your life? I'm slowing down now, Peter. I really don't want to take too much more on. Not that I think I've accomplished everything in my life, because there's a lot of things I would have loved to have done, but I heard a great saying the other day. He said, success can be measured by what you sacrifice to get that success. And I'm done sacrificing, you know. My kids aren't getting any younger. Uh, my son's going to get married here soon. I want to enjoy the rest of my life. Some of your family have been very ill, haven't they? Yeah. Has that really brought things home to you? That it has. When my mother had a stroke a year ago, I started realizing, you know what? Yeah, I could, I could uh, chase that gold record again, that number one position. I could do all that, but I'm not going to. Are your brothers all healthy now? Because one of them has MS. Isn't Alan it? has MS. And one of the brain tumors. Wayne had a brain tumor. So are they all better now? Wayne is is uh, is completely better. Mm. A clean bill of health. And obviously he has to go back periodically mm. to get checked. And Alan is hanging in there. Mm. He's on medication. Got a little bit more strength in his hand. You can grip his hand now. Mm. But man, his family's been put through a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I know they worked with you on Crazy Horses, did the re-recording, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And will they be getting on tour with you at all? Will people are sort of half hoping that the curtain will come back and they'll all be there with you again? Well, it happened on Audience With, but I don't think right. it's going to happen on the tour. Right. You get a chance on Saturday to see yeah, it, okay. it, yeah. that moment. And obviously it's not mm. identical on television as it was live because mm. of you know, the editing that has mm. to take place. But, oh, Peter, <laughs> it, was, it was a great moment. Mm. And Alan said something at the end that got back to me, said to his wife, that made it all worth it. He said, I never thought that I'd sing with my brothers again. That made it all worth it. Yeah, yeah. How do you want people to remember you after you go? <laughs> I just remember what Jay said to me, that he's going to put on his tombstone. I tried. I really tried. <laughs> okay, how do they want... How do you... I want people to remember me. I'll always be known as a teeny bopper no matter what I do. I'll always be known for puppy love. And I'm fine with that. 
here lies the guy who's saying puppy love. <laughs> and I'm cool with that. Well, how is a person? That I was a, a good father and a good husband. I mean, that's... Because the curtain comes down, and I'm slowly closing the curtain now. And not that I'm announcing that I'm quitting the business, because it's going to go on for a while, but... I'm 45, and I want to enjoy the rest of my life. And uh, when the curtain comes down and the show business ends, your family's still there. And I want my grandkids and my kids and hopefully great-grandkids and my wife to be able to say, there's a good man. Not because he had a bunch of gold records, because it doesn't matter at the end of the day. It only matters for an ego. I don't really need my ego filled. It's great. I mean, it's fun. I mean, it's easy for me to say that because I have a record coming out Monday and a television show, so it's real easy for me to say that. And I'm going to miss it someday. Uh, I know I will because I missed it in my 20s. But I'm over that now because I already experienced it.